Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. So happy you're tuning in to Dose of Leadership. Today's solo episode is all about culture. I want to talk about culture, particularly in terms of how it uh, applies to our strategic execution. The title of this is Culture Each Strategy for Breakfast. It's a quote that's attributed by Peter Drucker, I believe. But it's true. I think it's uh, so true. I think you look at the dysfunctions in business and most businesses fall into the 10 dysfunctions that I had a previous episode. I talked about in a previous episode. But some would argue that, hey, you got to get the strategy right or, or you know, because, look, we, we won't have a culture if we're out of business, so we got to focus on the strategy. Look, I think in an ideal situation, um, you know, culture and strategy in a healthy organization, they feed each other, right? It's, it's a loop, and I agree with that. But the problem is we're always faced with some sort of dysfunction or something isn't going according to plan, and and we we gravitate towards the strategy, the business side of it, instead of focusing on the culture. And I think it should be the other way around. We got to get the culture right because if the leadership culture is wrong, if it's not good, then the business is not going to be sustainable. You may get a short-term win. Uh, but if you want a legacy-building business, a sustainable business, you've got to have the leadership culture right. And because and you get the strategy right and you feed it, everything works out. Well, but there's always a gap, right? And it's an enduring problem. There's always a gap between what we plan, what we say we, we want to do, and then what we actually do. We tend to have a problem in life and in business and getting things done for whatever reason. And that's what I want to explore in this episode and why it is and what we can do about it. I mean, this problem is not a new one. Like I said, it's been around for us forever. People spend a lot of time, energy, and resources trying to understand why we say we want to do these things and we plan for these things and executing is a whole different problem. I think ideally, if you get the culture right, then this whole idea between the strategic planning, strategic execution, it becomes a distinction without a difference. It happens simultaneously. And bear with me. That's really what what I want to drive home today. That is, they're not really two separate events. They can happen simultaneously, which is the ideal. And again, it's almost like this is a history lesson because I want to go back and kind of talk about why this is a problem. And there's been a solution that's been around for almost 200 years if we're just willing to look at it. So bear with me here. And I think a lot of the problem what we see in business, particularly the last 100 years, stems from what has happened uh, because of the Industrial Revolution. And again, I'm not bagging on the Industrial Revolution wholly, but a lot of the problems that we deal with on – in the particularly in large organizations, is this idea that we can plan our way out of everything. I mean, if you look back at the 19th and 20th century when the Industrial Revolution, you know, look, factories are built around machines, right? And people were looked at as almost cogs of the machine. And the whole idea of management and leadership was to keep the people of the machine, the cogs of the machine, well-oiled. There's a seminal book that came out, I think it was around 1919, Frederick Wenzel Taylor, who I'm not a fan of. Look him up. Google him. He's a leader of the efficiency movement. 
You can argue some, argue some great things came out of it, and sure, they did. Some efficiencies come out of it. But I have a problem with him, particularly the way he looked at management and people in general. He wrote this book called The Principles of Scientific Management. And in it, there were basically three premises or three tenets or three ideas that he was really promoting. And number one was that it's completely possible to know all we need to know. It's possible. And knowing all that we need to know, we are able to plan what we do. The second premise was that the management, the planners, if you will, and the workers or the doers, they should be separated. Because the uneducated, the workers, they're not smart enough to know what should be done. And the third premise was, there is but one right way. And therefore, it's the leader's job, the manager's job, to spend his time, energy, resources finding this one right way to create a perfect plan, which is possible, and to tell people exactly what to do and how to do it. So already I have a problem with this book because um, the problem is, okay, it's, it revolutionizes professional management in the, the, for squeezing out efficiencies in menial tasks. I'll give you that. It's good for assembly line. It's good for maybe quality control. But the problem is Frederick Winslow Taylor and some of this, you know, some of this management leadership theory that came out of that earliest, early part of the 20th century is that it doesn't work well for dynamic and fluid environments. It certainly wouldn't work in combat, even though some people try. And so it's certainly not going to work for your business where I guarantee you're dealing with a dynamic and fluid environment. But we try to create all these, you know, kind of flavor of the month programs to find ways to find the one right way. And I think that's where we get lost. Peek into the mind of Frederick Winslow Taylor. This is a quote when he was standing in front of Congress on a hearing. And I don't know all the details of what he was talking about, but um, this is him. Soak this in. He's saying, I quote, I can say without the slightest hesitation that the science of handling pig iron is so great that the man who is physically able to handle the pig iron is sufficiently phlegmatic and stupid to choose this for his occupation. This person is rarely able to comprehend the science of handling pig iron. So this kind of elitist kind of efficiency movement mindset, I think still pervades some of our dysfunctional leaders today. I think first and foremost, this is what we have to shed. Staying on the history theme, would you be surprised to know that well before Mr. Mechanical Engineer Frederick Winslow Taylor came up with this principles of scientific management theory, there was an individual named Field Marshal Helmuth von Moltke who had the solution well before the Industrial Revolution on how to deal and be effective in chaotic environments. And again, I'll just give you a little history lesson. I mean, von Moltke... I was very familiar with it. I learned a lot about him in the Marine Corps. He was born in, in uh, 1800, I believe. And he was uh, a leader and teacher of German generals. He was a leadership and management expert. He was this huge supporter of what he called independent action by subordinates. And a lot of it came out of this one battle that he had in the uh, when he was battling the Austrians in 1866, and he was kind of doing an after-action report writing about the battle to the king, and he was victorious. But he noticed something there 
in the Austrians. These two Austrian generals who had lost communication with their headquarters acted independently on their own and started making decisions in the absence of orders, basically asking for forgiveness instead of permission. And it surprised von Moltke. Now, von Moltke was victorious at the end of the day, and the details of the battle are not important to this conversation, but the point was he was impressed. Everybody around him, and the general's like, yeah, these Austrian generals, they lost their discipline, they lost their resolve, and that's why they lost. And von Moltke says, hold on a second. He actually exonerated them, and he said what he saw was brilliant. And the whole point of it is, is that you cannot make, or the importance of making clear decisions in this kind of high friction environment, or this dynamic in this unstable environment, makes perfect planning impossible. Does that make sense? I think this is this is critical to understand because it helps deal with the chaos that you're dealing with in your life and in your business. He wrote this book. Von Mulkey wrote this book called The Guidance for Unit Commanders. And this is key. And I think this is kind of this is, these are key ideas that are going to help you in your business and your life today. And in this book, he says his premises were number one, that no plan survives first contact with the enemy ever. I mean, the second the plan is put into place, it becomes useless, right? His second premise is that perfect planning is an absolute impossibility. And the third premise, which is the most important, is that you must unleash subordinate initiative to address the unexpected and to capitalize on opportunity. I'm going to repeat that again. The key premise or the key tenet of this guidance for unit commanders, it was written in 1867, I believe, is that you must unleash subordinate initiative to address the unexpected and to capitalize on opportunity. Don't you want your frontline folks, or if you're a frontline folk yourself, don't you want to be unleashed to have the initiative to address the unexpected, to capitalize on opportunity, ask for forgiveness instead of permission? Here's a quote from the guidance for unit commanders from Von Moltke. Again, this is written in the 1860s. And I quote, with darkness all around you, you have to develop a feeling for what is right, often based on a little more than guesswork. In this fog of uncertainty, the one thing that must be certain is your decision. The surest way of achieving your goal is through the single-minded pursuit of simple action. I want that to sink in because I know we're talking about combat here. But how does that not apply to your business and to your life? You're constantly dealing with the fog of uncertainty, right? With darkness all around you, you have to develop a feeling for what is right. You cannot create the perfect plan and put it in this neat little box. You have to make decisions based on uncertainty and the fog of war, right? He continues in here and quoting, there are numerous situations in which an officer must act on his own judgment. For an officer to wait for orders at times when none can be given would be quite absurd. How does that apply to your life and to your business? It applies in every aspect. 
you have to act on your own judgment at times. You have to make decisions based on partial information. You cannot wait around for the perfect op- opportunity or the perfect plan, whatever that definition of perfect is, because it's an, imp- an impossibility. It's a myth. It's absurd. And here's where the problem happens. We sit there as leaders and as managers in our organization, and we see things not going according to plan. The plan is falling around apart all around us because we're so dependent upon that plan because we've been taught and we've been told that perfect planning is a possibility. And we start to freak out because the plan doesn't work. And what do we do? We insert ourselves lower and lower into the organization, dispensing the efforts of those around us on those who should be doing the work. But because we feel like we're out of control, we figure we need more, more detail. We need a more detailed plan. If we just would have had to spend a little more time and put a little more detail in this plan, and I exert a little more control over my people, then that would be the answer. And I'm telling you that detail and control is not the answer. Because think about what happens, and you've done this, I've done this. We've inserted ourselves lower and lower in the organization, dispensing the efforts of those around us, putting more detailed plans together, and creating this rigid environment where we set ourselves up for failure. We're doomed for failure once we start to do that. Detail is not the same as clarity, period. In fact, detail is the absolute enemy. You may think you need to put more detail in your plan, you know, break out your Microsoft project and put even more, you know, dependencies and, and, and just create this beautiful waterfall plan with all these dependencies and relationships and you're setting yourself up for failure because you're worried about the plan instead of the outcome. If you ever hear anybody say, we need to rework the plan, we need to rework the plan. Stop in your tracks and say, we need to rework the objective. We need to rework the outcome. It's always about the objective and the outcome. It's never about the plan. Instead of detailed plans, focus on communication, focus on clarity, focus on alignment. The more alignment that you create on what you want to accomplish and why, the more autonomy you're going to grant throughout the organization. And you achieve this alignment by focusing on the what and the why. What I want to accomplish and why I want to accomplish it. This is for the senior leaders out there. And then you grant that autonomy around what to do and how. So what do you get? This is what the Marine Corps has understood for 242 years. You need to create an intelligent organization. One that does not depend on being led by some larger-than-life, charismatic, quote-unquote, genius. That has all the pedigree and all the knowledge and all the smarts. That is guaranteeing we can plan our way out of this situation. No. You want an intelligent, smart organization that's going to make independent decisions based on what it is you want to accomplish and why. This raises the performance of everybody. This allows for corrections as you're going through your strategic plan. You start to improvise. You start to adapt. You start to overcome. Even if the plan is flawed, and I think that is the important thing to understand, it's not about perfect plans. 
This allows for natural corrections, even if the plan is flawed. And now you start to see how strategic planning and execution becomes a distinction without a difference. They happen simultaneously. This isn't an offsite to go do your strategic planning for the year and then go try to execute it. I think that's where we miss the boat. Focus on what you want to accomplish and why and get alignment and clarity and communicate that and turn people loose. So the takeaways are this. Decide what is really important. That is the hardest part of any business or whatever you're doing for your life. I mean, I'm talking about naturally business, but think about this in your own personal life, just individually where you want to go. Decide what is really important. You cannot create a perfect plan, so don't even try. And don't allow people to talk about creating perfect plans. It's wasted energy. Instead, create and communicate outcomes that you want to achieve. Outcomes that you want to achieve. And then formulate a strategy as an intent, not a plan. It's an intent. And then get down to the hard part of this is get the message across. Communicate these outcomes, what to achieve and why. Leave the how up to the doers. Don't treat it like Frederick Wenzel Taylor. Do the exact opposite. Leave the how up to them. Introduce accountability and ownership by doing this. When I bring you into the fold and I bring you into my tent and I show you what it is I want to accomplish and why and and how you fit into this, what have I just done? I've introduced accountability and ownership. You come up with how you're going to do it. It's yours. You're empowered now. You're empowered to make decisions to affect the outcome. This is decentralized decision-making. It's the key. It's the secret sauce to getting rid of these dysfunctions. And encourage asking for forgiveness instead of permission. You've got to give the people the tools, the time, and the support. Don't feel like you got to be the smartest person on the block with this great strategic plan and coming up with, with things. Figure out what is really important and what you want to accomplish and why. Define those boundaries. Define the sandbox for them to play in. And give them the resources within their defined sandbox and tell them to take it to the edge and not to bother you unless they want to go outside the sandbox and they can come back to you and just get out of the way. Non-fatal mistakes are okay. And instead, what you got to do is you got to encourage people to adapt to this kind of chaotic environment, to the actions, to understand that, look, the plan's not going to go according to, to what we set out. It's going to be useless once we put it into play. And that's okay. But encourage people to improvise, to adapt, to overcome, to meet the intent, what it is you want to accomplish and why. That's why it's so important. And work the outcomes. Do not work the plan. Work the outcome. This is what we called in the Marine Corps commander's intent. That's why I talked about the Marine Corps so often on my show and in this because it works. You need to re-listen to this show over and over again because everything that I've talked about on the show for five years, the heart of you know, squashing every dysfunction or the majority of the dysfunctions you have in your business, from profitability to the silos to the communication, is all wrapped up in this idea of putting commander's intent into play. I believe that wholeheartedly. 
And this is why I say culture eats strategy for lunch. Because if you focus on creating this decentralized decision-making culture, you're going to see radical changes in short order. And in the long term, you're going to have a sustainable business. It's the secret sauce. Culture always eats strategy for lunch. Hope this makes sense. Tell me what you think about it. Do you disagree? Email me. Let me know. If you feel like you need somebody in your organization to help you see through this, I certainly can be that arrow within your quiver. I'd love to work with your organization and help you implement this decentralized leadership culture. I believe this wholeheartedly. I think this answers a lot of the problem or at least solves a lot of the problems that we're facing with in this chaotic and dynamic environment that we're in. It's not getting any more or less chaotic or less dynamic. It's getting more so. And the only way to deal with this is to focus on a decentralized leadership culture. Again, let me know what you think. Richard at doseofleadership.com. Go to doseofleadership.com. Fill out the contact page if you need to. Let me know where you're at. I answer every email. And again, if you want me to come speak, present, or even coach your organization, I'm always available. I love to do this. Check out my Legacy Leader Blueprint course as well. It's a great introductory course and a team-building exercise for your team if you want to get the basics of leadership or start planting the seeds of leadership in your organization and you're struggling finding the time or the budget. This Legacy Leader Blueprint course makes it easy to uh, watch 20 videos and get six hours of one-on-one coaching, group coaching facilitation with me as well at a very economical price. Again, you can find out more details at doseofleadership.com. All right, thanks for tuning into the show. A little longer on my solo episode, 21 minutes. Uh, and I appreciate your support, and uh, I will see you on the next episode. Hey, thanks for tuning into the show. Go to richardryerson.com or doseofleadership.com and fill out the contact page and reach out to me. Let me know where you're at your leadership journey. Also, if you want access to my brand new online leadership course to help become a better leader, go to legacyleaderblueprint.com. Fill out your email and you gain access to a free 12-minute video that will reveal the top secrets of leadership and also show you how you can gain access, exclusive access, to my online leadership course. That's LegacyLeaderBlueprint.com. Hope to see you on the inside. Thanks for tuning into the show. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat mother of three, and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com prenatal.